From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and self-acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Aussie streamer, programmer, and possibly our favorite person in the world, Rosa. I don't know a ton about Rosa yet, so I don't have a solid intro, but I'm really excited to learn a lot about her as we go through the interview. Welcome, Rosa. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Let's go ahead and jump into your the main bit of your story of, of your trans exploration and becoming who you are now. When did you first realize you were different? What were the signs for you as a kid? There was never a like a defining moment, mm-hmm. but uh, there were little bits. My dad had a library, not library, but like lots of bookshelves. Okay. And there was one one book that stood out to me, and I read it so much in like primary school, and it was um, about anatomy and the body. Okay. And the, 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 the bit that I always got stuck on was like the differences in the male and female bodies. Mm-hmm. And like, I just kept going back to that. I'm like, just confused about it, really. There was something about you that you knew, wait, they're telling me that this is my body, but maybe there was something uh, where you felt that it, that it was supposed to be the other one? Yeah, kinda. Like, mm. it wasn't a strong feeling, but like, I why can't I be like that, kinda? I like I like anime, so mm-hmm. like I grew up watching anime, and one of the shows that kind of like I I really liked, but I never told anyone was like Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, they they they're so cool. Like, why can't I don't know? I just like the girly stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of like repressed that and I kind of just forgot it over time. And there was one point growing up where um, my mom was going through menopause and she had these estrogen tablets in the cupboard. And I looked at them and I was like, if I take these, will I turn into a girl? And I like, mm. I really thought about taking them. But then I was like, no, that's that's a silly idea. That wouldn't do anything for me. Interesting. And that was like in primary school. So what was it later in life that finally kind of clued you in and made you realize that you were trans? I know throughout my life, I just kept wanting to do more feminine or girly stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then I'd always backtrack on it. So, like, at one stage in my teens, like, late teens, early 20s, like, I grew my hair really long, like, Mm. longer than what it is now. And then, wow. And then I just chopped it all off because I'm like, no, that's just, no. And eventually, like, I just go through these cycles where I do something more, one more feminine with myself, and then I'd revert back. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I kept thinking about it more and more and just started getting. I know more depressed about it Hmm. and then eventually I met Elise and then she kind of I know helped me with like everything Hmm. with it like I told her like I wanted to wear more feminine clothes and I know like like dress nicer and then grow my hair out Mm -hmm. and that that's all I really took it until like I started thinking more about trans stuff again but I didn't really have the word for it yeah and like it was only like four years ago I really started researching stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, 
okay, I think I think that's me. Hmm. And then I don't know. I was still kind of in denial about it, and it just I just kept sinking and sinking into like I know this pit of sadness about it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, it just came to a breaking point where I was just like just crying. In. Crying for like weeks straight, and like oh. Elise was like not sure what was going on, and then eventually, like I told her, and then she was like, "Let's go see a doctor, and if you want to transition, then I'll, I'll fully support you." Wow! So she was on board then, from the very start. Yeah, and there was even one point, like it was just a kind of offhand comment from her, but it, she said, "Even if you were trans, I I still love you." And like fully support you, hmm. and that 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 was like eight years before I even came out to her. So yeah, and she she supported you before I even knew you needed it. So that's pretty wonderful. Like it just took it took me that long to like figure it all out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, about two weeks after me coming out to Elise, I'm seeing the doctor and getting like my prescriptions and seeing the endocrinologist and all that stuff. So wow, yeah. So once you once you got there, then it was just off to the races, right? Mm-hmm. I really wish I'd done that with my with my transition. That once I realized I was there, just start running with it. So there's lots of aspects to coming out. There's coming out to your your significant other. There's family, work, and then just basically going out in your community. And we'll dive into each of those. Let's start with family. Mm-hmm. How did how did those conversations go? And how did their level of acceptance? I've I haven't actually come out to my family myself my sister found out about me and she did not react well she's deeply religious mm-hmm. so like she believes that like the whole the lgbt community as a whole mm-hmm. is the enemy like those are her words <laughs> the so, enemy of what though i don't get that of, of all religion apparently <laughs> oh she she went on a giant rant to my friend um, saying like, it's like, it's her right to not um, use people's pronouns or names. Mm-hmm. Like she's, yeah, it's so weird. But one of the weirdest things she said was the LGBT community doesn't know what it's like to be so oppressed like us church people. <laughs> The, the, the strangest thing, yeah, that the people that are in, in power and don't face much oppression at all are the ones that are always saying, oh, you know, they, other people don't know what it's like to be oppressed. I don't know where this came from, but it seems to be a, a kind of rampant right now. Yeah, and then she started telling people that I hate her and mm-hmm. and things like that. And, like, literally the last time I saw her was for her birthday, and I gave her a birthday present. <laughs> Like, I did not, I didn't even mention anything. Yeah, so she's off in her own little, like, well, just, I don't know, telling people I hate her. <laughs> well, and I think this is a, a, a point now where we can bring this up. I, that that idea that you haven't come out to family yet just absolutely blows me away because I don't see anything even vaguely masculine. I don't. I mean, I I think you look like you pass completely completely feminine. 
I, I don't see any trace of masculinity in you at all. So I don't know how you're pulling that off. You just must not have talked to them in the so, last four years to be able to have, have done that. So I, I do surprise people when I say this, but I haven't come out to my dad at all. And I have seen him like in the past, like three weeks. Okay. Like I do, cause I'm, I'm kind of afraid of how he's going to react when he like finds out Cause, your your dad because I because I know what he's like, so yeah, I'm kind of scared of that. So I haven't. That's why I haven't told him yet. Mm. But um, the only other family member I have is my cousin, and she has two kids, and they like they adore me, Annalise. They like they they're always asking us to come over and play video games with them and stuff. Oh, nice. And I, I and I do go over looking like this mm -hmm. so i haven't fully come out but they do kind of know oh they, okay I haven't, I haven't i haven't told them my name or pronouns because i think that would be like a hard step for them because my cousin is like is also religious and she has said some things in the past hmm. so i thought just slowly exposing her to things will help with that and and it has okay so um because when i first told her i was taking estrogen and all this stuff she kind of i don't know backed away a bit and she said some things but i just kept going there and then she kept saying things that were a little bit more positive each time okay and then, and then one day i went there she said oh you know i think trans people they can't like help to be who they are and i i believe it's all genetic and blah 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 and i was like what this is like completely different to things that you've said before like in the past mm -hmm. so so wonderful progress yeah, yeah wonderful progress that's so great so yeah i've made good progress on that part so mm -hmm. yeah which is nice because her kids are, are lovely, so I do like spending time with them. Mm -hmm. Does it is it at a point for you at all where you you feel any kind of pangs in in your stomach or whatever when when you get called uncle or any of that kind of stuff? I I do with like other people who don't know, but I'm okay with them and the kids, my cousin and the kids, and then they're fine. Usually, my cousin just calls me cousin oh okay that's not really issue but the kids do call me uncle mm -hmm. I, I i do plan on telling them all soon and stuff so um hopefully they can they can easily change they're pretty young so yeah what are your thoughts on for that what, what are you planning on how are you planning on going about doing that you know saying okay this is my name and and here here it is um that might be it really um just just coming out and saying it just go over and be like hey i've been going by this name for a while now and it would be nice if like you and the kids could um use that name as well yeah okay keep it simple though, quick though quick and direct it, there you go yeah but my cousin has been accidentally using the correct pronouns for me <laughs> so, 
I don't correct her, so. <laughs> well, that that's so wonderful. Maybe it's like changing in her head already. Yeah. So it's just a it's a, a it's a problem that's going to resolve itself apparently. Um, my cousin um doesn't like my sister, so I think that's <laughs> helping in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> that that just are uh, automatically puts her on your side because the uh yeah. the enemy of my enemy is my friend <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> that's hilarious so moving on to to work what's been your acceptance your level of acceptance there and and how has that gone um i work for an um, engineering consultancy company and i work in the it department mm -hmm. pretty much i'm pretty much the it department okay like, i've built all the computers i've I did the whole network, I built the server, all that stuff. But when it comes to coming out at work, I didn't tell my boss. One of the people at work told him. And his first response was, it must have been because they had polio when they were younger. <laughs> That's the craziest diet I've ever heard. Polio? I'm, I've, I've never... <laughs> Why would it be polio? Because of the vaccine or... or... No, because you wouldn't get a vaccine if you had polio. Like, what? And how, do, how does the fact that you have polio, had polio as a kid come up at work? A lot of people at work were like, what are you talking about? Polio? <laughs> anyway, all the people at work have been good. They've been fine. They've They've never made a mistake. They've switched everything, like, perfectly, like, using my name and pronouns and all that. Wow. Um, so that's, that's all been good. But my boss does have a bit of trouble um, when it comes to saying my name and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but that was back in, in March or, like, February, March. Okay. When I was outed there. Um, but then in April, I legally changed my name. Mm -hmm. And when I told work that this is now my name, change it in the system and all that, mm -hmm. um, suddenly I stopped getting work. Like usually I would get called at least once a week to come and fix things or do work or whatever. Mm -hmm. It suddenly and just everything just turned off, and I didn't have work for until like a month ago. So are you so, are you salaried then, or are you while they're not calling you for work, are you just not making any income? I started uni, so I used to be full time permanent mm -hmm. then, and but when I started uni, um, I went down to casual, so I can I can ask for work or they. Usually they just call me up and I'll just go in and do my work. All the communication just suddenly cut off like the day after I got my name changed there. Hmm. And wow. I, I'm not sure if it was the boss being weird or like they didn't have work, but it was, it was such a big coincidence that I told them and then it all just stopped. Like completely. Just crickets all of a sudden, just just coincidentally, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's just nutty. 
Now, I think you mentioned that it has picked back up. They have started to call you back in. Yeah, I've been there a few times and I've taken some work home and done all that. Mm -hmm. So everyone like was happy to see me and everything. And I hadn't seen everyone for ages. And I think some people were shocked to okay. see how much I changed. Yeah. Like, even when the boss called me to come back to work, he rang me up and I was like, hello. And he's like, is Rosa there? I'm like, it's me. He wasn't expecting like this voice. And apparently the ladies in the office were laughing at him because they knew what happened. So, um, because he, he got all flustered and was like, uh, 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 okay, I, 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 I need you to come in. <laughs> he just totally broke down on you all of a sudden. That's hilarious. Yeah. And he kind of, he kind of does that when he's saying my name at work. So okay. he looks at me and goes, uh, Rosa. <laughs> so he's, tr at least he's trying. He's trying, but he's struggling he's and it's breaking a small part of his brain. It sounds yeah. like. <laughs> what have you guys experienced in the community there? How was your level of acceptance? For you being trans and for the two of you now being an es essentially what it looks like on the outside, a lesbian relationship? Well, nothing has really changed that much. I assume that's why we get a lot of stares when we go out and hold hands. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, like where I live is is pretty good with like that type of stuff. So... Um, I, I have never received any negativity. I, I only support, I've only gotten support from, like, from, from friends and stuff. So, uh, which is, has been really nice. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. It, it, you, you never know. Cause sometimes, you know, the, each of these areas is really different and you expect, you hope family will support you. But sometimes yeah. they're the ones that struggle with it the most. Sometimes they're the ones that support you the most. And then mm -hmm. it just depends on where you live, whether or not your community supports you. It's good that it, it hasn't seemed to be too much of an issue. They, you get your stares, but they stay away and they don't give you crap. So that's good. Yeah. Like, it does affect me sometimes. Like, it's usually the older crowd that, that stare. Sometimes it makes me panic a little. Because I, I just think to myself, do I look feminine enough? Do they know? And then I just go into like a whole like thing in my head and just talking myself into like, I, I don't look the part. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not true. You do totally look the part. I, I, mean, I know this is a question for Elise at some point, which maybe we'll get to, especially when, when the time zones sync up like this again. Were you the first trans person she knew, or did she have some kind of experience with either trans or LGBT? I don't, I don't know if okay. she ever knew any other trans people, okay. but she's always been, like, for all LGBT rights and stuff. Like, when I met okay. her, she was writing a her thesis on queer people in, or queer representation in TV and movies. Okay. So, um, like, I knew from the beginning that she was going to be supportive. Did you have any support from anybody that you weren't expecting? I don't know. I have a pretty 
tight-knit group of friends. And um, when I came out, I didn't lose, I didn't lose any of them because I, I guess I'm just very careful with who I choose as friends. Okay. But um, uh, one, of my, one of my friends who I've known since I was in kindergarten, I was, I was really worried about him, like not being supportive mm-hmm. because the history. he's like, he's, you know, he's just like a super, super bogan. We're going to have to have you describe for the non-Aussies here what a bogan is. So a bogan is like an Australian version of a redneck, All right. but it, it's a bit different. But yeah, he's he's a super bogan guy. Hmm. So I was, and for him knowing me for so long, I was really worried about his reaction. Yeah, he was like on board straight away. Oh, and that, that really surprised me. Hmm. He was pretty much the last person I told because I was so worried. <laughs> because of that, do you wish that you told him sooner so you'd have had his support earlier on? Yeah, I, he does live far away now, but yeah, I probably would have liked to have told him a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. When did you first find community? When did you find other trans people to identify with and to follow and to, to talk with about any issues that you ran into. And along with that, did you have a particular role model or someone in particular that you you felt you could open up to? I only got into the Instagram circle of um, uh, trans people when I was just figuring out like what doctor to go to. I was asking questions on Reddit and so I just made an Instagram account and just followed a whole bunch of random trans folk. So the first one of the first people I did follow, it's probably not going to surprise you, but it's Samantha. <laughs> pretty common one. Pretty common one. A lot of people yeah. found her first. And yeah. she was she was an um, early pioneer. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And um, I followed, I don't know if you know her, Heather Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one of the first people I followed, and I also look for other Australians. So I found a lady in Western Australia. Her name was I'm losing it. Yeah, oh, Chloe's odd. Chloe's odd. Okay. Yeah, but she's kind of disappeared off the whole Instagram mm-hmm. circle. So um, those were the three main people I. I followed. You have to follow. Okay. I mean, in some ways, it seems like you are pretty far along in your journey. How far do you feel in kind of your grand timeline of things? Where do you personally believe that you are at in and where you want to get to? Are you halfway through your journey? Are you three quarters? Where do you feel like you're at at this point? I still kind of think I'm near the beginning. Like, okay. I'm only on HRT. I'm only one year in. So um, I feel like I've got a bit of way to go. And I, I do admit that some changes have happened a lot faster mm-hmm. than I thought they would. But um, at the moment, it's just it's just cruising speed at the moment. I don't really think about it as much anymore. Near the beginning, I was like, this is so slow. 
why can't I have the changes now? Yeah. All that stuff. But now I'm just like, just, just kind of go with it. That's the thing that I'm starting to really learn and talk about a lot on the show is the amount of patience that is required in transitioning not only with hormones, with ourselves and our own mental state of, of being, our feminine actions and things like that, the way our voice and our families and friends. Sometimes it takes a lot of time for, for them to get on board. It's, it's a patience game. It's so about, about waiting and letting it happen in the time it's going to happen. It sucks, but that's what it is. Yeah, like with family though, like it's it takes you a long time yourself to get to that point. So like they also kind of need, need that time to get on board with it too. Completely. It, 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 it takes time. What are you looking forward to next? In about three weeks time, probably even less than that, I've got my Orky surgery coming up. Okay. So... That that's something that I know for me it's kind of scary because like it's just one of those big milestones. But completely, yeah. Um, that that's my next step. I I don't really have anything afterwards apart from just just still going with it. Do you know where you're going with it? Are you going to go? Let's just. I think a lot of people would consider it all the way if you do if you go and do bottom surgery is that something that you're thinking about for your future at this point no um so my dysphoria doesn't come from that area of my body like at all um so I don't think that's something that I'll get but um all, all my dysphoria comes from like upper half stuff um like when it comes to physical things so yeah that that's not a surgery that i plan on getting what is it about the the top half that you're still kind of struggling to kind of shed your dysphoria about this is probably going to sound silly but like i really have a lot of dysphoria about my face (laughs) that's insanity that's insanity I said, you have a super feminine face. It's crazy. Ah. Yeah, I, 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 I get upset about it a lot. Mm, at, least we'll, at least we'll confirm that. I, like, I will get so upset about, like, my facial features and all that. Like, I, I do have, a, like, a strong brow line. But, and that, that is something that I um, um, get upset about a lot. So, um, do you yeah. see this at all? Do you see you you, you have the weakest brow uh, brow line compared to mine? Like, oh my god! It's, it's the bone. <laughs> like you can probably see it if I lean upwards a bit yeah. on the light. Yeah. yeah, there. But what do they? Yeah. What do they do for that? I haven't looked into any of the surgeries. Have you looked into facial feminization surgeries? Do they? Is it more like they shave down the bone, or do they put in fillers? Well, they print. I think they pretty much they cut. Up along here. I know Elise doesn't want to hear about this because she gets really queasy when I talk about me being in pain. Mm-hmm. So um, they pretty much cut, like, it open. They, I think they pull 
the skin down and they like they chip away at the bone mm. and then they smoke it out and okay. then they just stitch you back up. I'm not sure if I'll ever get it, but sometimes it crosses my mind when I get super, super dysphoric. Hmm. That's the, the craziest thing for me. So I had a friend that's had a surgery like that. She was playing softball with us and caught a, a, a rocket. Somebody threw a ball really hard, pretty much point blank range at her face and shattered her eye socket. Mm -hmm. And they had to do that. She went to, I think it was the Philippines where they did that surgery. And, and it's like, I can't believe that they're able to do that and reattach everything and have you have sensation and feeling. It's the craziest thing. So apparently it's, it's no big deal, but it kind of blows my mind that that's a possibility. Well, I'm sorry you're feeling that way about yourself. Just know that there are a lot of people much more, much, much uh, worse off than you are. Don't try and take it yeah, easy on no, yourself. That's, that's kind of a reason why I don't complain, complain about it a lot. Because, like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I have it as bad as other people. So I usually keep quiet about, I know, how I'm feeling. You should have someone you can share with. And <laughs> I know it sucks when you have to, kind of, when, when it's the same thing over and over again, it gets kind of tough there. Yeah. That's when you talk to a therapist and, and they can tell you to shut up and quit. <laughs> <laughs> My therapist kind of did that. Like, we're talking about the same things over and over again. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of. Yeah. I, kinda I do have a psychologist and I probably should go back to them. But, you know, it costs money and all that stuff. What are some of the key fears that you have have had during your transition and how have you overcome them? When I went to go see the doctor, because. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get on HRT because of my past medical history, I guess. Okay. And that was something I was scared about. Like, no, you're too high risk or something like that. Like, when I did my research on HRT, a lot of it was on how safe it was, like mm -hmm. how safe I was going to be. And I knew... Like, that was one of Elise's concerns, too. That, so that's why I was researching it. Not, like, where I'm going to get it, who I'm going to go to. It was mainly how safe I was going to be. Um, so that was one of the, I think that was my main fear at the very beginning. And then apart from that, it was my family's reaction. And as I said before, I, I st I'm still scared of what my, my father will how he'll react to it all. I understand. What? How have your transition goals shifted as you've gone through? Have has anything kind of moved and and you've changed your priorities, or you know, did you thought something would think something would have been in your future that you've moved away from? Was bottom surgery something that you thought of before, but then move have moved away from? Really? Well, as I said before, on, on that part, that wasn't something I was thinking about. Ever, okay. Um, ever. But when I first started, I wasn't sure, like, how much it would affect me. Like, seeing all the people on Instagram and all their timeline photos kind of made me think, I, I'm not sure if I'll ever get to that point, ever. Mm -hmm. And... Know that and 
I definitely know that feeling. So I think it's common. Yeah. So like, I know it kind of made me a bit upset that like, why even try if I wasn't going to, if nothing was going to change, mm -hmm. but like, you don't know until you try, I guess, but, um, it's, it was definitely something on my mind. Like I thought nothing was going to change. And sometimes when I get really bad, I do think to myself, nothing has changed, but <laughs> um, I never really set any like big goals. I just wanted to start. Starting was my goal. That's wonderful. And it, it's so funny to see how people have their different, the, the, everybody's transition is different, but everybody's start is different. It, it's so interesting. We've had plenty of girls on the show who decided that they were going to transition, sat down and wrote out the, the plan, like step by step, all of the stuff. And they were able to hit it in pretty much that order. It's kind of crazy. I've been on the other side where I've been like, I know, I know the steps, but I'm afraid of anything permanent. And I've just kind of dipped my toe in slowly over over time and realized that as I got past a, a milestone that, that I wanted the next one. So it, it's not until I, 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 I come past the, 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 around the bend that I realize that the next bend is where I want to be. You never know. Everybody, everybody is definitely different. Yeah. I, I'm definitely one of those people who don't really plan ahead. They just, I just go and do it, I guess. Mm. And I, all I wanted was to start. And I didn't really have a plan to go, like, what I was going to do from then on. Mm. I just went with the flow. Well, that's a nice and easy way to do it. What role has therapy played in your transition? You mentioned that you have a psychologist earlier. Have, have they helped you a significant amount throughout? Not, not really, because when I went to see my doctor, like, he gave me the prescriptions, but then he wanted to have a psychologist just evaluate my mental state mm -hmm. and how I saw myself and like if there are any signs of like depression, suicide, blah, blah, blah. I did go to my uh, psychologist twice and we talked through a whole bunch of stuff, but um, he was pretty much like, I don't see anything like major that uh, any signs of anything like life-threatening or anything like that so i guess that was kind of nice mm -hmm. but um i probably should go talk to him more but um that that's the only role that he's really played in it but he, he's a really nice guy hmm. but more so, of, a, of a gatekeeper and just kind of checking and making sure that that this is right for you not really helping you to get there he like he wanted me to start everything and he was like yeah it is just is probably the best option well is the best option for you but it was more about if i was like gonna harm myself mm -hmm. that was that was the main thing okay what were the biggest hurdles that you've come up against in your transition i know we have a lot of girls that have issues getting dates for surgeries or getting on hrt what were some of the biggest ones for you? The waiting times. Mm. Um, so I got 
to like my psychologist, my endocrinologist and everything through the public health system. So I didn't have to pay that much, but I did have to wait for openings and all that stuff. So from seeing my doctor in, I think it was June 2019, it took, I think it was November, October, November to actually see my endocrinologist. Hmm. So that whole waiting time was probably my biggest hurdle. Like hmm. it felt like, felt like a century. Wow. Just, just waiting. That makes sense. Once you're ready to go and you've got, you've got everything lined up and, and you know, this is what you want. You've got the support of, of the doctor or whatever. And then you, then you just have to sit there and wait for it. That's gotta be brutal. Yeah. So when I came out to Elise and was like, okay, we'll set up the doctor's appointment, do all that. I went to see the doctor. It was like, bam, 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 bam. But then suddenly there was this giant stop, just, just waiting. Um, so every so often I would call them and say, is there, has someone cancelled or is there an opening that I could slot myself into? Mm -hmm. So they, they did put me on a list. Nice. Um, Rose so is they were going to call me back. Elise says that you, you had a, an experience with that, where, where being on that list mm -hmm. where you were hitting on a plane to go to Hawaii for a trip. Yeah, and was, they... I, yeah I was just about to get into that too. <laughs> um, so we planned a holiday to Hawaii with Elise's family. And the day that um, we were set to fly out, we were in the waiting area to board the plane. And the endocrinologist office phoned me up and said, we have a spot for you tomorrow. Can you make it? And so after all this time waiting and waiting for this phone call, yeah, they called me up and I couldn't go to it. And so I spent that whole time in the waiting room, on the plane, and a lot of the holidays just, just crying because oh. I missed my opportunity. And that's not yeah. what a Hawaiian vacation is supposed to be like. Oh, <laughs> sorry. So, and, and on the plane as well, like, so many bad things happened on that plane trip. Mm. Like, a kid flung his seatbelt and the metal bit, like, smacked me in the face and I was already crying and I'm like, this is happening. And then I had, like, <laughs> someone, well, it was Elise's dad, he opened a bottle of alcohol and it spilt like all over me and i'm like can this day get any worse <laughs> it just kept proving you all the uh, proving to you all the ways that it could <sighs> so and the, and the thing was we waited like i had a feeling i was going to get a phone call so we waited in the hotel room before we went to the airport just in case i got a phone call so we could move the plane trip to another day like two days later but we're like, okay, they're probably not going to call. And then when we get past the point of no return, mm -hmm. that's when they called. But, you you um, could even sense it was it was a possibility and then you still couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. But I guess the plus side of it was 
I did have a friend. I mean, I do have a friend who is also trans and we have the same doctor and we pretty much went to him at the same time and she was having like the same thing waiting a long time. So since I was put on the waiting list first and they were put on the waiting list second, I pretty much gave them the appointment. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, so at least somebody got to enjoy it. Somebody got it. They jumped ahead of you, but... And then it took like another month, month and a half to actually get to my appointment. So that whole that whole time was just terrible, that whole waiting time. Mm. Well, I'm so glad you were able to get past that. Of hormones or any of the surgeries that you're looking forward to or anything else that, that's happened along your transition, what is what have been some of the things that were the most gender affirming for you? Just going out. Just going out and being gendered correctly mm-hmm. is probably the biggest thing. Yeah, starting HRT was like like a big thing and and all that, but definitely just going outside. Just being me is probably the biggest thing. I agree with that. That was one of the things that was the hardest for me was to get to be comfortable going out in public without just being completely terrified. I I don't even, it was hard to understand at the time why I was so intent on doing something that was so terrifying to me. And then also how euphoric it felt to be out, especially once you, once you get to the point, it took a long time for me, but to get to the point where, where people gender you correctly, I wasn't mm-hmm. prepared for how wonderful that made me feel. Yeah, I I still get all happy and excited when it when it happens, like mm. every single time. I know I I feel so terrible about myself that I think it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So every time it does happen, it just makes me feel a lot better about myself. Another common thing we have that terrible negative voice that's always in our heads, like. What are some of the big biggest learning curves? I think you spoiled it already a little bit, but in your transition, what's what have been the kind of hardest things for you to grow accustomed to or to learn in in being transitioned? Mostly, mostly my voice, I think. All right. Because that 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 was something that I really wanted to to change. Because mm-hmm. I I didn't want to. Um, and I just go out and start speaking in my old voice and just then started start getting like misgendered and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I pretty much made the decision to like, I'm just going to start and okay. do it every single day. So uh, that, that was difficult for mm-hmm. me. How much... And how much practice a day did you do and how long have you been practicing to get to the point that you're at now? So I've been pretty much practicing every single day for 10 months now. Yeah, I would practice every day, even driving in the car, talking to myself, saying the alphabet, um, saying numbers and just like humming at certain points. And what you're doing there is you're just doing everything that you can to keep your voice high. And I noticed that when I... It's kind of funny that today I've been on this stream for over eight hours now and my voice isn't getting gravelly, that the top part of my throat isn't getting sore, which I noticed before. Is, is that mainly what it is, is, is getting the muscles used to kind of keeping your voice at that level? 
Yeah, it's it's pretty much consi- consistency. Over time, like you get used to it. I think if we if I tried to go back to my old voice, I w- it would be the same type of problem. Like my my throat would start hurting. Interesting. I'm not used. I'm not used to that anymore. Nice. Okay. So, That's what I, I'd heard of, of people. Like you get to a point where going back is is difficult, and you kind of can't understand how you would would even speak like that anymore. I have really struggled with it. I love the Instagram post that you did recently. I think it was, was it last week about your voice? Yeah. Um, yeah, last week. That's a wonderful, I, I highly suggest anybody, you, you know, it was, Paper Crane was talking about loving your voice and was asking questions about it. Go to her Instagram there at Rosa Ilva. Is that how you pronounce that? Um, it's pronounced Ulva. Ulva. Okay. Yeah, it's um. There's there's a whole story to it. Okay, maybe we'll yeah. get into that in a minute. But anyways, on her Instagram, she did a post last week about her voice and how she got there, and she gives a sample of her original voice, her voice when she when she started really kind of focusing on it, and then her voice now. And that was really helpful for me. I think it's, it's something you don't get a whole ton of on the social medias, and it's, it's another thing that's super important. One of the things that really helped give me motivation to think that Again, being patient, HRT can really work for me. I can achieve a more feminine body and a more feminine look because you see people's before and afters on Instagram. That's why I thought your post about your voice was such a wonderful one because it really shows the before, the middle, and the after and gives you sort of a timeline and a baseline for for what to expect. Yeah, I, I've gotten a lot of um, like DMs about about it. So there, there are some more videos I've made for people, like techniques I've used and mm. stuff like that. So I haven't posted anything, uh, um, any of those videos yet. I might do one, but um, yeah, people have been like asking me questions and stuff about it. Are you posting those on Instagram or do you have a YouTube page that you're putting those on? Um, just, just Instagram. Okay, perfect. How do you feel that transitioning has affected your mental health? I am way happier than I was before. I'm I'm more social. Um, I'm just I just happier in general. I was just kind of sad all the time and just like being depressed and not knowing why. Since I started transitioning, like a lot of that has gone away. That that that's definitely something that's that's changed. That's wonderful. In what ways has your has your transition lived up to your expectations, and what ways has it not? Have there been things that you thought were harder or not as glorious as you thought they would be, or are there areas where it's it exceeded your expectations? Pretty much everything has exceeded what I thought was going to happen. I thought I thought I was nothing was going to change. So pretty much everything. Genetically, I was a bit worried about this department. Uh huh. <laughs> That's been all right. I'm not as happy with it as I want to be, but okay. Um, that that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Um, hmm. I I didn't expect much, so you were you were you couldn't you know, be let down because you didn't have high expectations to begin with. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's pretty much it. I, I just felt like nothing was going to happen. Mm. So just seeing like everything change is just like, I know, just so big. Oh, that's so wonderful. Jeannie says that she spent three months in voice training, so she wants to share what she learned. And, and, and what she had said was, the secret is to move your voice forward in your mouth. Most male natural resonance is toward the back of your throat and into the yeah. chest. And it takes awareness of where you're resonating. I, yeah. I, is, is the issue that tends to happen a lot of time, either Rosa or Jeannie, do you know? I've heard a lot of people talk about being resistant to working on their voice because they tend to to come out sounding very much like Mickey Mouse. Is that when is that the fault of like going up like more into your nose or just not not being used to it or kind of being in a weird awkward place? Like where does that kind of Mickey Mouse period come from? The thing is that that was something that worried me a little because I feel like when we first start, we go way too high. We try to like, try to get as far as possible quickly. But so I, I think that's where like the cartoonish voice comes from. But if you slowly do it over time, that that's, that's a lot better than just trying to go straight to the high point. Because mm -hmm. if you go straight okay. to the high point, then you just sound really weird. All right. Yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking is your voice is is very feminine, but it's also very high pitched. And I've tried to do something like that. And, and it just sounds it's it sounds wrong. It sounds weird. It's, it sounds kind of Mickey Mouse ish. And, you know, again, yours is sort of a voice where I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know how, how I could ever get there. That's why your video is so important, because it's like your voice depth wasn't that much different than mine. And look at how far you've gone. So. It's a matter. Well, it's a matter of practice and, and patience again. Yeah, because um, watching a lot of videos on YouTube and reading things up, nothing ever clicked, and All right. everything like I've done is self-taught. So oh, interesting. I did notice that I was sounding really weird if I went way too high. So I figured out that if I went a bit lower then my like high point and just kind of start from there mm -hmm. and then slowly, slowly put it a bit higher and higher each time. Like I didn't even notice, like when I went back and watched my video, my old one, I was like, I was even shocked. I was like, mm -hmm. how did, I don't even know how I got from that point to now. <laughs> it's very funny that you say that because I, didn't think I'd made any progress either. And I went back and I, I, I had started editing my videos at, at episode 10 and have fallen off it again, fallen off the wagon a bit there since and to get back to that side note. But I went back and I edited episode one and I was surprised how already it's my voice is higher than then when I was really kind of trying hard. And then I, I came across a recording of myself from the year before when I wasn't trying the voice stuff yet. And I don't even remember my voice ever being that deep. It, it was just kind of crazy to hear. Yeah. It's the, the changes are definitely very slight and yeah, you don't notice them until you play stuff back. Mm. Just keep the yeah. faith and keep going. I love it. How did you choose your name? Where did Rosa come from? I actually changed my first, middle, and last. So 
Like, it's all different. Mm. But Rosa specifically, it, it is gaming related. Interesting, okay. So, years ago, I still play it. Um, there's an online MMO RPG, um, Final Fantasy Online. Okay. Um, I named myself Rosa Ulva, and that's where that comes from. Right. And then, and this is like, like way before I came out. So I pretty much just started getting used to that name, people calling me that in-game. And when it came time to finding a name for myself, I, I really struggled. Like after coming out, I was still using my dead name for ages. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I, did, I did not know what name to choose. My character on Final Fantasy Online is pretty cool. So was that, was that name, was that name assigned to your character automatically, randomly? You didn't choose that? Um, I did choose that mm. because, I don't know, on, in MMOs, I tend to be a lone wolf. And okay. so I chose Rosa as a name for that character because it was kind of like a, a strong but beautiful name. And Ulva is, I think it's like a Nordic, Swedish, Old Nordic for a female wolf. So I was like the Rose Wolf. Ah, nice. So, yeah, I pretty much, I just went in the game one day and was just looking at my character and was like, Rose is pretty cool. Maybe since everyone's already calling me that in-game, does that name suit me? Hmm. So, yeah, I just tried it out for a while, and then it just kind of stuck. That's wonderful. I love that. That is, that is a really cool one. What drove your interest in the decision to change your last name? My original last name is a religious like connection oh name. so and i have a lot of issues with because of because mainly because of family like with a lot of religious stuff so i i, I felt uncomfortable having that that last name what i actually did it's it was an, it started as an inside joke <laughs> so <laughs> so it's another funny one it's actually a mixture of my old last name and Elisa's last name. Oh, okay. So we just kind of just mashed them together, and that's what I got. And you, you changed the last name legally too as well, right? Yeah, and my middle name, that's legally changed as well. Mm -hmm. is, uh, is, um, it, is it I'm Ulva or, or no? I'm a different person. Sorry? Is it Ulva? Is it the middle name or no? No. So is um, Rosa Ulva your first name? No, so Ulva is just my online persona. Oh, okay, okay. Name, just the Ulva part. I, Rosa is my actual name. Okay. The Ulva part is just, I know, because of my character. Mm -hmm. Makes enough um, sense. Yeah, but my middle name comes from, it's another mash of names. My mum passed away like three years ago, mm. and no one in my family really talks about her. And, and it's the same with my grandma. Like, those were the two people growing up that, like, I really connected with with my family. 
and they're the only two people in my family who have passed away. Mm. So I t- took both their first names and kind of like melded them together as my middle name. <laughs> yeah, names I've chosen all have different stories. Yeah, that's wonderful. But they're, they're all very meaningful to you. And I, I really, I, I like that a lot. That's great. What advice do you have to pass on to closeted or, or younger trans people as they're looking to go through their journey? What are some of the key pieces of advice that you have to give to people? Don't focus on like regretting things, like not ever, like not starting early enough or anything like that, because then you'll just go through a loop and just constantly think about it. And it's not something you can change. Mm. Um, and like also, yeah, because I, I get stuck on that and it's, I can't, you can't do anything about it. Um, like you can get upset about it, but yeah. not like dwell on it too much or else it's going to stop you from taking other steps. I guess. Exactly. And um, it's just so important to to stay focused on the future and what your goals are and the stuff that you can't control, the stuff that's in the past, you just got to let it yeah. go and, and do what you can now and be what you can now and enjoy what you can at the moment and going forward and, and set yourself some goals and stuff, stuff to be excited about going forward so you don't spend your time lamenting what you didn't get to do in the past. Don't have to come out to people if you're not ready or if you don't want to, like because like like I'm not ready to tell my own father, mm-hmm. like that that's something that's either never going to happen or is like a long way away. Yeah, like I'm not ready for that, and you shouldn't have to force yourself to um, if if you're not ready. I think it's important to push yourself to do to stretch and to allow yourself to do things that that might make yeah. you a little nervous, might scare you a little bit, but don't ever feel like you have to push yourself to something that you're truly uncomfortable with. Allow yourself yeah, to kind of push forward and pull back when, when, you, when you are ready to go forward and when you need to come back and just realize it's not the end of the world if you aren't as far forward as you were this week as you were last week, because maybe next week you'll, you'll feel like it again and you'll go even further. Yeah, it's all about taking little steps all the time, I guess, too. Mm-hmm. Just for yourself, really. Just just take it little by little. You don't have to do things in one big go mm-hmm. if you don't want to. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse. And be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support the transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com/the-transverse.